Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Worsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are thrilled to have you here with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Mr. Cameron Clutters, our barista, and this morning our friends from St. Michael's in Worthington, Chris and Emily Morrow, will be joining us in the cafe to chat about marriage, family, and their commitment to Catholic schools. Today is the memorial of St. Agatha, Virgin and Martyr. So happy feast day to all of our friends at St. Agatha Parish. And have cake, right? <laughs> have morning, cake. Amanda. Good morning, Dave. Can you start us with a prayer? In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for another day. We thank you for your goodness and for your love and for all the ways that you are sustaining us, that you are guiding us, that your providential hand is upon us and working in each and every moment of our lives. Lord, we ask to be docile to this. Even if we don't see the way that you are working, we ask for the trust and the hope that is placed in you that you work all things for our good. And so we ask for perseverance in this. We lift our hearts and our minds up to you. We give ourselves to you and ask for the intercession of Mary as she always with her motherly care leads us and guides us to to you and helps us to reach that heavenly glory. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. How was your weekend? Oh, it was quite good. Yeah, I... I had the opportunity to learn a lesson in rest, so that was good. I have I have been desiring rest for several weeks now, and so uh, I typically think of rest in terms of I should plan nothing, I should do nothing, you know, just really mm. low schedule things. And yet I had an opportunity to visit with a friend, and of course that meant you know, I had to be a little more extroverted and uh, give more of my time and, and maybe stay up a little later. And even though those things initially don't seem restful, mm-hmm. um, it was very restful to, to be in a presence of a good friend. So yeah, yeah. Outstanding. It was great. Did you get outside much? I did. Yeah, I did. It was nice. How was your weekend? It was good. I mean, we mentioned rest, same thing. Um, we went to the symphony uh, Saturday night and well past my bedtime, mm-hmm. <laughs> my typical bedtime, but uh, it was very restful, just enjoying the music and uh, Abby and I went and uh, just had a real nice time. We're walking up higher and higher in the Ohio theater to, to our seats, the inexpensive seats that take in the entire <laughs> venue. Right. Um, and one of the priests from our diocese is directly in front of us. So chatting with him, directly behind us is a seminarian from the Josephinum oh. and, and his family. Mm-hmm. So it was like a little Catholic section right That's there. Great. <laughs> it was wonderful. Yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, it, a lot of rest, you know, came from that and, you know, practicing yeah. driving with, uh, with Abby. So <laughs> Was that restful? <laughs> 
<laughs> More so for me, actually. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's surprising. Yeah, pray. Well, I'll pray for Abby. I mean, she's getting close to taking the test, and you know, some nerves are coming into sure. it. And, but she's exceptional. She's doing a real good job. Good job. So, uh, schedule update today premiering at four o'clock this afternoon a new show from ewtn beacon of truth with deacon harold burke sivers so deacon harold burke sivers returning to our radio world uh glad to have him back so four o'clock this afternoon exciting news and we're also entering into conference season the women's conference is coming up quickly Saturday, February 17th, the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference happening at the Ohio Expo Center, Kasich Hall. Great lineup of speakers. And then the following weekend, Saturday, February 24th, also at Kasich Hall at the Ohio Expo Center, the 27th Annual Catholic Men's Conference. So you can register for both at stgabrielradio.com. Interesting readings this week, uh, our gospel readings. We are wrapping up with Mark chapter 6 today. And then for the remainder of the week, we'll be going through Mark chapter 7. But today's reading is Mark six fifty three to 56. After making the crossing to the other side of the sea, Jesus and his disciples came to land at Genesaret and tied up there. As they were leaving the boat, people immediately recognized him. They scurried about the surrounding country and began to bring in the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. Whatever villages or towns or countryside he entered, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch only the tassel of his cloak and as many as touched it were healed. Mm. They scurried about. <laughs> I know. I like that you laughed or, <laughs> over that word there. <laughs> it wouldn't have been initially a word that popped out to me, but when you emphasized it, I was like, hmm, there's something there. <laughs> They're scurrying, uh, scurrying about the countryside. Mm. Mm. Okay, so immediately what struck out to me is the word immediately. Um, as they were leaving the boat, people immediately recognized him. And uh, gosh, it just makes me think of, do I recognize Jesus immediately? Huh. Right? This idea of, um, maybe an idea of two people in love, right? You When, when your beloved walks in the door and you can just kind of tell by the way that they put their things down or the the heaviness of their foot or lightness or um, the way that they breathe and you can't even see them and yet you know that they are there mm. and it makes me just wonder in, in my own prayer life uh, do I recognize Jesus immediately do I have the ability to distinguish his voice from the other voices uh, do I have the ability to recognize his presence immediately and so I just, yeah, I really appreciated that part of the today's today's reading. I like that. Um, sometimes presence is enough, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there doesn't even have to be a word or a conversation, you know, spoken. 
but just having that presence, that nearness. Mm -hmm. The expectancy is uh, also stood out to me in today's reading. So they're coming from all over the countryside uh, with that expectation that yeah. he is the Lord and he will heal what is ever is wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and even just adding that word scurry in there, right? This this expectancy, this this excitement, this uh, mm. desire to draw close to him, the anticipation, and and yet, yeah. How often do we cultivate that in our own lives? You know, my am, am I running to the adoration chapel or or having an expectancy of um, Jesus's healing presence in the Eucharist? Mm. How about you, Cam? Um, really just the way Jesus lets himself get diverted. You know, it doesn't say he was going, you know, to the other side of the sea to go heal and do a bunch of things. He's just like, gets there and then it's like they're leaving the boat and people are like, that's Jesus. Whoa. And they go and get everybody in. And, and I'm sure it wasn't specifically like the Lord wasn't planning to get to the other side and be like, Hey guys, I'm Jesus, you know, but he lets himself be diverted. And I'm just reflecting in my own life how many times I try to pick and choose even just like little things in my day. Okay. So like yesterday, for example, my, my wife and I woke up and to my daughter and we were like, okay, if we skip breakfast and throw things together really quick we could make it to the first mass at our parish at St. Brennan's at the 845 you know drink a cup of coffee maybe if we can get it in there but that would be pushing it but if we go to the 1045 that's going to interrupt our daughter's nap and kind of trying to like piece all this together in all these different ways and I just remember sitting there in the moment saying you know what like the Lord has a plan here and I don't think the plan is to skip breakfast. And I also don't think the plan is to get interrupted. And so we're looking at other parishes and finally we're just like, wait, we have like an evening mass at St. Brennan's at the 530. And it, and it took this like much longer process to recognize like we we have a lot more options than mm -hmm. we have to like force into the day um, to be able to prioritize the Lord there. And I think it would have been much simpler if I just sat, sat down and said, Lord, when when do you want us to go to Mass today? You know, um, how, how do you want us to prioritize this? And recognizing that my plans are not my plans. Mm -hmm. It's good to plan and it's good to like strategize and, and have, you know, a, an action course. Um, but it's also good to let the Lord interrupt that. It's good to let the Lord, you know change things a little bit and I was just personally like really grateful yesterday for finally coming to that conclusion and then as we were reading it today struck by like how even the Lord lets himself be diverted too mm. even the Lord lets other people steer his plans a little bit too and he didn't want you scurrying about no <laughs> no right. we did enough of that over the weekend <laughs> fantastic praise be to God so, friends, stay with us all week. Um, really looking forward to some of these readings from Mark chapter 7. There's some tough ones this week, so look forward to it. Stay with us. Coming up in just a couple minutes, we'll be joined 
by Chris and Emily Morrow, talking about their marriage, their family, and commitment to Catholic schools. Stay with us here in the St. Gabriel Cafe. Let us pray together the Golden Arrow Prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible and ineffable name of God be forever praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth by all the creatures of God and by the most sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of trustworthiness is seen in St. Bernard. He lived trustworthiness heroically by acting in a way that inspired people to place their confidence in him. Bernard's judgment was known to be so reliable that when he entered the Cistercian order, his brothers and friends followed him into the monastery. His trustworthiness grew so strong that popes even asked him for advice. Let us ask St. Bernard to pray for us, that we too may grow in trustworthiness. Educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com. I'm Lori Crock, and this is a Holy and Healthy Minute. It's funny how the Holy Spirit sends you a thought, inspiration, or even just a word that you have to take to prayer to try to figure out how to respond. For me recently, the word was haste. I see haste in a positive way, especially as it relates to the three kings and the shepherds making haste to meet the newborn King Jesus in Bethlehem at his birth. In the visitation, we see Mary move with haste to visit her cousin Elizabeth, to care for her and to share her joy of the impending birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus. We can infer haste in Jesus urging his disciples to go forth, evangelize, and carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. Let us pray. Jesus, help us to rise up with courage to pray, discern, and share the gospel message with holy haste. Amen. Welcome back, friends, to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn, and we welcome now to the cafe Chris and Emily Morrow. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so you guys are at uh, St. Michael's in Worthington. Yep. Native to the Columbus area? Yeah, we've been, um, I've been here since grade school uh, for the most part, and mm-hmm. we joined St. Michael's after we got married. Yeah, we had to find neutral ground. I, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was, I moved 11 times, um, went to 11 different schools, and settled in Columbus when I was a junior in high school. And my native parish was St. Bridget, and Chris's was St. Brendan. 
And although he was at St. Brendan longer, I still was so attached to St. Bridget. So when we got married, I was like, I'm not going to St. Brendan. And he goes, I'm not going to St. Bridget. And I was like, well, what? St. Michael's had an adoration chapel at one. Yeah. Just that mm-hmm. was our, they were doing perpetual adoration at that point, And that was. At St. Michael? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the old chapel yeah. where the convent is the convent now. Is now. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's how we went. That's how we picked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, you met at Watterson, right? Correct. Yep. We met our junior year at Watterson um, through a mutual friend and started dating then and. So you're high school sweetheart. <laughs> Somewhat. <laughs> I think. Um, when we were juniors, I I being new was super insecure. And I remember walking in the first day of school being like, Lord, you got to help me find somebody for lunch. Like that was the, the anxiety yes. at the time. So by God's grace, this girl sat behind me. And they have three lunches at Watterson, so you don't necessarily, you have to meet a freshman and they have to have the same lunch with you. So I was like, oh, come on. And the girl who sat behind me was like, hey, you're new. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, uh, what lunch do you have? And I go, B. And she goes, great, sit with me. And I was oh, like, oh, right away. Prayer answered. So that same friend, a couple weeks later, says to me, hey, what are you doing tonight? And I'm like, nothing. I have no friends yet, you know. And I was playing soccer at the time, but still wasn't making those connections just yet. And she goes, great, you're going to pick me up at seven and we're going to a party. And I was like, <laughs> um, no, we're not. No, wait, what? She's like, "Here's, yes, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> so she shoves me her address. I pick her up at seven. And um, as she gets in the car, she goes, okay, we're going to pick up Chris. And I was like, what? No, we, Amy, we are not picking up Chris. We are not. I don't, what are you doing? She's like, no, it's fine. Just go this way. And she was exactly what I needed. And so we go to Chris's house and we um, knock on the door and he answers the door. That was the end. And that was, <laughs> he pauses and like looks at me and doesn't say a word. And it's so awkward. My friend steps in front of me and was like, hey, can we come in? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah. So, um, and we joke because I was like, I did not like how he was dressed at all. So it was this funny, <laughs> funny realization. But we went into his house and we, man, he's so fun. You know, like we um, were going to one of his best friend's houses for his birthday. So it was only a few of us going. And, um, he was like, well, I got to bring him a gift. <laughs> and he finds this old Casper punching thing and he blows it up. And we bring Casper to his friend's house and pop it on the front porch and do like doorbell ditch. <laughs> and we are just giggling behind the car, the three of us <laughs> thinking it's so funny. And his friend, who was the kicker for the football team, opens the door, kicks this thing, and it goes flying across the yard. Well, now we're just really laughing. So that's how we originally that's how started. That's how, that's it, started. how it all started. 20-some <laughs> odd years later. <laughs> nice, nice. So both of you were raised Catholic then? Yes. Yeah, probably differently. Yeah. Um, what do you mean? So my family always had a very wonderful respect for the faith. Um, my father's a Sicilian Marine, 
So there's just the nicest guy on the planet, but there's just things you don't mess with, right? And it was always the country and the family and the faith. Um, but we weren't every Sunday mass goers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Christmas, Easter, they, they did do everything in their power to send me to Catholic schools. So my parents did everything and bent over backwards a hundred times for me to be able to attend St. Brendan's. Um, so I always joke that my parents taught me respect for the faith. This young lady right here taught me how to practice the faith. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, I was, I was very blessed to be able to be raised in the church and raised through Catholic schools. So my family, um, raised through Catholic schools, um, we had a bit of a catapult is kind of what I call it. Um, my brother was diagnosed with cancer when I was eight and he was 10. Um, there's four of us kids. We were in Florida at the time and you get, we get the worst, um, diagnosis that you can have, right? couple months to live very aggressive cancer, less than a hundred known cases. And what do you do but pray? Mm-hmm. We were Catholic schools. Um, but I remember like when we went on vacation, we didn't go to mass. Um, mm-hmm. My parents prayed with us every night, but that was about it. Um, so then we're like, well, now you pray. Yeah. How old were you, Emily, at the time? So I was eight. Okay. He was 10, my sister was 12, and then my younger brother was three. Yeah. That must have been a difficult time for the family. Yes. Um, my parents are fighters. Mm-hmm. So um, long story short, my brother lived six years with that cancer. Um, I remember where my mom would uh, go to the hospital during the day, and my father would be there all night so that my brother wasn't alone. Yeah. And they would kind of swap out with that care. So um, that's probably a beautiful example of just parental love for you. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was, we all knew. We were like, yes, please. You know, we all know what the priority is. Um, And it's amazing looking back how, um, how we just, we didn't have like pity parties on ourselves or like, feel neglected or like you just, we all just did what we had to do and they were able to keep us in some type of normalcy with having such a huge cross at the time. Wow. Mm. You know, so my father actually converted to the faith the Easter before my brother was diagnosed. Um, So he says that, you know, the Lord gave him all those tools going through RCIA that he needed to battle physically, mentally, spiritually, my brother's, um, cancer. And, um, and my mom is, was just like this prayer warrior at home that mm-hmm. just, man, just prays, just prays. So mm-hmm. it sounds like this experience really catapulted the whole family into a deeper prayer life. Right. Um, so when he passed away, I think we're praying for miracles, right? We're praying all of us on our knees, rosaries and confession and mass and healing services that were super powerful. And you would think that when he passed that you would lose your faith mm-hmm. almost, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't, mm-hmm. you almost feel like because you didn't get what you wanted that you would be 
Doubt would come in. Yes. Yes. Doubt would come in. Sure. And what happened was by being by somebody that holy, by being by my brother who was so holy, it was like after he passed, it was like pouring alcohol on the fire. Like Mm. we just lit up. Mm. So... I mean, the prayer then became even more intense. The sacrifice is more intense. So um, we were going to daily mass 630 in the morning before school together. We were praying rosaries at night together, 5, 10, 15 decade rosaries, and read scripture all day long. So by the time Chris met me, I was driving myself to 630 mass at 16 years old knew had knew the lord been reading scripture had taken a really liking to saint Teresa of lisieux's little way and practiced suffering throughout my day really a grace-filled time i wish i still had that much zeal now but (laughs) (laughs) different seasons different season i mean it's such a gift of time um in our faith and emily's faith attracted you yeah it really did um there was something there that was special you know what i mean well, let's put it this way. Even when we weren't dating for a period of time in high school, I would still drive to 630 Mass to <laughs> <laughs> oh. at, at St. Michael's. Um, so, yeah, there was just something powerful about it. There was just something that said, I can be better. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? She yeah. helped take me there. And there's probably something in her head that said, I can, if I take him, then I'll be a saint. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, Chris had so, yeah. the virtue that I desired. Which he had already had that tendency before he had met me. You know, he was already living chastely. He was already desiring to go to mass by himself. And that was appealing to me. I had this great foundation where my family was doing it with me. But to be alone, per se, choosing to do it when your family's not at that time was so desirable for me. Mm Yeah, yeah. Chris and Emily Morrow here in the St. Gabriel Cafe with us. We're talking about their courtship. Did you guys go to the same college then? No. We weren't (laughs) dating by the end of high school. Okay. Um, Like I said, one of us had to grow up a little bit during that time. Um, So she went to Franciscan University in Steubenville. Oh, fellow alum. (laughs) Figured there was probably a couple of them in this building somewhere. Um, And I went to Wilmington College, which is Mm -hmm. a small little school between here and Cincinnati. Okay. So stay in touch. Yep. Yeah. We dated sophomore year. Sophomore year. I think in high school, because I'm, I feel guilty about it now, but I'm the one who broke up in high school because. Worked out all right. I thought we were too young <laughs> to be too serious. We did it all junior year and I was like, oh man, this is, he starts saying he wants to marry me and that was enough for me to run away. And then um, we dated sophomore year of college for the entirety of that year. And at the end of that year, um, I felt like I should know I was going to marry him. And I didn't have that, that it, I don't know what to say that it, like, I was like, he has everything I want if I get married. So maybe I'm not supposed to be married. Mm -hmm. And I went back to Franciscan, broke up with him over the summer, went back to Franciscan and got spiritual direction from Father Mike Scanlon on whether or not I was called to religious life. Good guy to go to. Yeah. 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 And it's funny because when we sat down for lunch that day, I was like, Father, I think I need to discern religious life. He sat back in his chair 
stopped eating his soup. And he says to me, okay, why? And I looked at his face and I'm like, oh man, he already knows I'm not supposed to be a sister. <laughs> like, I just, I was like, um, well, why do I even tell him at this point? I don't know. I just thought he knew, you know, but he counseled me for a while, maybe four months or something. I met with him every week and he counseled me before our, um, I knew that wasn't the path and we both were dating other people. God bless Chris. We stayed connected the whole way through. He would call me and check in on me. He says he knew the first time he met me. So he was waiting for me to figure it out. So he's saying he wow. had growing up to do, but re in reality, I'm the one who had to figure it out. So from the moment you were inflating uh, Casper, yeah, right. you it knew. Just, it was just yeah. boom, right then and there. Right? <laughs> it's been a fun journey. Yeah. You know. So then right. after college, we were together for maybe a month, and that's when I was like, oh my gosh. We kind of, we were all hanging out as friends. And I was like, he's it. Holy cow. This is it. So I write him this letter and I give it to him and he reads it <laughs> and he says nothing. And I'm like, oh my. Oh no, that's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, you, you've got to say something because now I know I'm going to marry you and I've broken your heart twice and I don't know if you're going to take me now. Hmm. And... And here we are. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so you you spoke up at some point. Exactly. Yeah, sure, right. You know, that no, was great. And then we got engaged and got married in October of two thousand four. Yeah. Settled and, on St. Michael's Parish. Yeah. yeah. So we got married at St. Bridget because that was her family's mm -hmm. first. Okay. And then settled on St. Michael's. And yeah. Kids have been in school there ever since. And, mm -hmm. Chris and Emily Morrow here in the cafe with us. How quickly, um, uh, how many kids do you have? We have six. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go through them, but if I mess up in age, don't hold it against me. Um, Anthony's a senior at Waterson. Mm -hmm. uh, Gianna's a freshman at Waterson. Stella is a seventh grader at St. Michael's. Dominic is a sixth grader at St. Michael's. Maria is a second grader at St. Michael's. And then little Rocco just turned two this, this weekend. past weekend. Mm -hmm. so. was how did you settle on uh, on catholic schools obviously i mean you guys came up through them so you recognized the value but was it was there any ever any discussion not to do catholic school yeah i mean there always is because mm -hmm. you never know what's right for every kid and everything um there was also a lot of discussion on which catholic school I mean, there's a lot in the diocese to choose from, and, and they kind of go for the whole spectrum. And um, there's a lot there. Obviously, St. Michael's is where we decided. Um, it was always very important to me. Um, like I said, my parents did everything in their power to put me through Catholic school, and I got a lot out of it. You know, in high school, they gave us a choice. My older brother did a year at Watterson and then, you know, finished up at Hilliard because mm -hmm. that's what he wanted to do. Um, I always felt very strongly about, for number one, it gave me structure with the faith a little bit, which I needed. Um, but number two, I just, I wanted the children to know that prayer is normal and you should pray before you go to lunch and you should pray when you get to school and, and all these sorts of things. Um, 
But there's also the side of like spoon feeding it for them. Do they ever really get it for themselves? Right. The Catholic school. So I think there's some, some conversations about would they have to fight for it more if they were in another if they were in a public school and would that make them stronger? But um no, I've always been a huge proponent of Catholic schools and you know, so were you living the faith at home at that point? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we've been active. We're pretty active members and um I actually prayed every summer for maybe what seven summers um thinking we were going to homeschool and i did a 54-day novena every summer for yeah. 50 for for seven probably seven summers while we had our oldest in kindergarten through because i always liked the homeschool atmosphere and every time the lord came back and told me no so <laughs> after about seven summers i was like all right lord if i'm supposed to then you'll tell me. And um, the biggest battles interiorly for me, um, we sought counsel on it with Father Daly at one point, And he said, um, if you don't agree, you don't move. You don't change off course. So I was like, okay, this is my cross right now. And the biggest battle was when our uh, third child was going into second grade. And she ended up having... Sister Maria Colby that year for her sacraments. And it still to this year, she's in seventh grade, was the most fruitful year that she's ever had. Hmm. Sister Colby was able to not only educate her in a profound way, but also pull out this light in our child that we didn't do as parents. We didn't know Hmm. how to do. And it was very humbling to see somebody else pull this light out of your child, to be honest. But it also made me realize like, oh, Lord, I'm giving them different tools at home. And you're going to bring the perfect resources outside of this home to give them the other things that they need. Yeah. And she, Arcella, I mean, she'd come home and she was praying rosaries like crazy. And she was cleaning the house for us and she was like really thriving on doing small sacrifices for the Lord in a joyful way because of how sister Colby taught her about the virtues. And that was what gave me final peace of where God wanted our family to be. I I, I love that. We're here with uh, Chris and Emily Morrow. Yeah, I mean that's that's just one of the uh, just the profound beauties of our faith, right? I mean, Father Daly is in your life at that moment. Sister comes into your life at a, at, at another moment. Um, it could be that person next to you in the pew, and you can just really get that sense of community and um, how you're never ever alone. Yeah. And we sat down with Father Daly also around, probably around that same time when we were thinking about making a switch from the school where we were to St. Michael's. And that was just as, uh, that was a, you know, a transition time uh, for St. Michael's school. Mm And um, I just remember Father Daly saying, go, will it be a peaceful move for your family? And so we prayed about it more and it was a, you know, 
at that point we have uh, three daughters and to make that move was a, a big deal but there was a lot of peace in it yeah and i just remember father daly's laughter a lot you know <laughs> he, could, he could be giving you some really difficult things to pray over and some yes. some really challenging and then he would start laughing yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah he's he's a great man because he lives it yeah we still stay amen in touch with yeah him, so. yeah yeah so have you had that same opportunity chris i know um you had served on the school board yeah at, at, at saint michael's how have the two of you been able to share with other families um just uh, the faith in general or, or just catholic schools in in particular um through through your witness and through through your family's testimony i think one of the good things is because we've been blessed with so many children we've had a chance to interact with a lot of sets of parents through it yeah um again i'm i'm a big proponent of saint michael's i promise they're not paying me to say any of this um <laughs> but i've always really liked the school and it's done so much for the, the whole parish as a whole has just done so much for me uh personally through growth and things like that um but the school's done so much for the kids you know emily tells you a story about stella um, and Sister Colby, and, and we could probably come up with five or ten more easily. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I don't know. I try to just lead it through example. You know, we we try to be as active in the school as we can. Um, I did school board for however long they'll let you do it. I want to say six years or something like that. Um, Sister John Paul kept me on there. Um, and um, do a lot of coaching at the school. Mm -hmm. you know, basketball, soccer, whatever they need for that. Um, but for me, it's just always been kind of an excitement and a support for the school mm -hmm. and what they're doing. Um, and I think if you can just show that positive attitude with other people that it tends to bleed through. So we celebrated Catholic school weeks, uh, schools week last week, and we're able to speak to a variety of different teachers and administrators in really different situations, you know, I think there, there was a, a second grade teacher one day and then a high school theology uh, teacher and uh, a couple principals. And the one thing that, um, that they all expressed that their commitment to Catholic schools come from them, first and foremost, being disciples of Jesus Christ and that um, commitment then to, to schools was an overflow. Uh, of their own love for Jesus Christ and, and the um, drive. I mean, they were propelled then to share that love with the families and, and the students at the school. So whether it's St. Michael's or St. Brendan or St. Bridget or Bishop Reedy or St. Mary's in Lancaster, it, it, it's that love of Christ that is that is the uh, the common denominator. Yeah. Right. It's beautiful. So, so to speak. Yeah. So where are you guys now in your in your faith, um, participating in parish life and still in the schools? And yeah. and Rocco's <laughs> hasn't even started school yet. No, we, so. uh, we decided it's going to be 25 years from the time Anthony started at St. Mike's to the time <laughs> Rocco ends at St. Mike's. So we got a, uh, we got a lot of time. Yeah, um, Good can always be better, you know, to, to answer your question. Um, so obviously we take the kids to Mass every weekend. Um, I've got a couple of really good buddies of mine that are keeping me going the 6.30 Mass on Friday mornings. Mm -hmm. um, so, again, it's always good to be around great people, so thanks to them. Um, you know, and your Emily does her Carmelite stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm awesome. a discount Carmelite. That's not true. Okay. St. Michael's, but I do have that. 
yeah. part. There's two communities. I'm out of um, the Westerville one um, in St. Michael's. Um, I started the women's group with a couple other women about 13 years ago. And um, by default, because I was going to everything, I ended up kind of heading that up and being on parish council for maybe 10 years, long, eight years, maybe uh, wow. long time. Um, and then my Carmelite community elected me to be on council. So I stepped off of St. Michael's and do that for Carmel. But in St. Michael's, I still, um, host co-host morning Bible study for women, um, host candlelight tables in the evening when we have those events four times a year. Um, I ran vacation Bible school for eight years. Um, Chris is a Knight of Columbus. We volunteer a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Now we use our children. We're like, pick what you're volunteering for. You know, how are you staying in and committed? And they all have to pick something once they get confirmed. So um, that's a, a great education for them as well. Not just only in the Catholic schools, but to to serve the church as well. So you've implemented that into um, raising your children. What, what, how are you going to serve the church? Right. Okay. Right. We let them pick. So our oldest is still an altar server. Um, he still does some outside service things like special Olympics. And, um, we bring things down to Holy family regularly. Um, and our girls, our next two, who's a freshman and seventh grade, we're like, pick something. So they help out with children's liturgy um, that was their pick. So, mm-hmm. and they helped when we had the rescue project last year, they were volunteering in the evening for those things. And, um, we want to put stock back into a community that has given us so much. Mm-hmm. So, and Chris coaches every sport, whether he wants to or not, I <laughs> sign him up. <laughs> it's a blessing. He's yeah. a gift. It's my, one of my absolutely favorite things to do. Keeps you young. Yeah, you know, it's, I actually started coaching at St. Brendan's right when I got out of college, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of fell in love with it, and have done liver since. So as long as St. Mike's will keep having me, I'm sure I'll find something to coach. But mm-hmm. he has an abnormal natural gift to pull out the talents of individual kids, no matter their level. So when he is like, "Oh, should I do it?" It's a lot on the family, and I'm like, "You have to do it," you know, because. I see a change in these children, how you incorporate the faith, how you pray with them, how you invite God in and help bring out their gifts and build their confidence. They get more confident when you're coaching them. And that's a huge gift to bring to them. So God bless him. He's like, yes, ma'am. I'll do it again. (laughs) Chris and Emily Morrow here in the St. Gabriel Cafe with us. Who was that person for each of you growing up, either in in school or just in the neighborhood, or who who was it in your life that that you still look back to? We all have kind of those moments that they probably forgot a long time ago, but just seemingly inconsequential moments of kindness or encouragement. Did it come through coaches or teachers? Is there anyone that comes to mind for the two of you? I mean, outside of this one sitting next to me, um, <laughs> going back farther, it, it's it's my father and my brother. You know, mm-hmm. not against my mom. My mom's wonderful. I love my <laughs> dad, but, um, you know, it's like I said, we weren't 
always going to mass every Sunday and stuff, but my father just taught me this awesome respect for the faith. And um, he went on this retreat every year. He'd go to New Jersey where we're from and go on this retreat. And I remember how important it was that he finally had all three of his sons on the retreat and stuff with him. Hmm. Um, so that just, it always just puts something in my faith. And again, my father always put family above everything. Um, it's Jesuit, so Jesuit retreat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was great. And, and, you know, I've got two older brothers that just in their different ways have helped guide me, you know, sometimes great examples. Sometimes I don't want to be the one that does that <laughs> kind of examples, but I tell them all the time, whether it was a great example or, you know, the example of what not to do, it still shapes who you are. So that's a good point. Yeah, some of the hardest or some of the best lessons are the hardest lessons, right? I get to be the youngest, so it was easy for me to, to see a lot. So, I had, I mean, outside of, I guess I, when you asked that question, I was thinking somebody outside of family. Um, I had a spiritual director um, who was an aunt of mine, who's also late Carmelite, and she also has six children that I um, still pray with regularly. But as far as like a teacher or coach, I actually have this really clear memory of one time um, when we were seniors at Watterson and um, we were at a basketball game and Deacon Campbell was not a deacon at the time. He was a teacher and something goes miss awry and, and a couple of the basketball players collide and one flips upside down, lands on his head and starts having a seizure right away. So everybody is shocked, upset, silence, completely silent. The trainers run out there, stabilize this boy who's fine, by the way. So don't, don't you don't have to get too emotionally invested in him. He turned out totally fine. He had a concussion, but he's fine. Um, but in the moment, we were all shocked and nobody knew what to do. Deacon Campbell walked off the side took the microphone and started praying mm. and I remember looking at him he was young at the time it's not who you would have expected to take the microphone and I remember thinking he showed this exemplary leadership and courage when he was probably in his 20s because he was right there mm -hmm. and it brought us peace mm. You know, he knew what to do in the moment of a trauma. We needed to pray. So I told him that as we asked him to speak at one of our candlelight events just a couple years ago, and he looks at me, he goes, I don't even remember that. I was, I was going <laughs> to ask you, does he even, did he even remember that moment? He remembers the boy having the seizure. But he does mm -hmm. not remember going out and leading us all in prayer, wow. which I think is interesting too, right? You just live it and I, you don't realize it. And that stuck with you, and I'm sure has been an example that comes up every now and then that you turn to. Right. Yeah. Right. I think the biggest thing that you realize is when you're close to the Lord, you can't be shaken. Mm -hmm. Right? When everybody else is panicked, you have calm because you know who's in control and how he allows everything. So when I saw him, I was like, oh, he's got the Lord on him. Because our Lord would go down there and take that microphone and say the prayer. Yeah. Yeah. But we're like stray cattle just trying to figure, like looking everywhere, like who's going to lead us mm -hmm. if we don't have the Lord. It's amazing how those little things can really shape us. Actually, I have a similar experience. 
I studied at Franciscan University. I did their Austrian program. And so all of us very, very early in the morning, we get on the bus so that we can do one of our pilgrimages for the day. So all the students were there and uh, sister was in the front. I think she was about to start leading a rosary, but we hadn't got started yet. And it's, it's very dark. And suddenly a deer jumps out in front of the bus. And so the bus swerves a little bit. Very first thing that comes out of sister's mouth is Jesus help. And that to me was just such an example of, wow, the very first thing that should come out of my lips in any sort of situation is Jesus. Yeah. Right. Not, Mm. not a panic, not a, a, an unfortunate word. Right. Um, (laughs) but to call on the Lord. And I think it's things like this, that those mentors that instill in us, um, how we want to live our lives and then hopefully pass on to our children. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, Chris and Emily, Chris and Emily Morrow from uh, St. Michael's in Worthington. Your oldest is a senior. He's a senior at Watterson right now. Yeah. Preparing to go off to college. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're going through There's the process. There's rosaries for flying exactly. out of our house right now. <laughs> yeah, he's he's going through the process. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, what what's your, I want to say, um, the hope, I, obviously, I mean, you, your, your hope is that all, all your kids continue to pursue the Lord. But at, at this time, as, uh, I mean, every parent that's, you know, preparing kids to go off and have that independence and that freedom how do you instill in them the confidence to find peace in, in the Lord and, and to look in that direction to, to guide them? I think you nailed it with the word freedom. Like, I think if I could ask for one thing for Anthony, be like that he chooses the Lord and he chooses that lifestyle. Um, we don't want to force feed it to him. Um, Cause you can't. Yeah. You know, at and, that point, especially and, at that point, thank God he, he is looking at some great schools. You know, mommy and daddy have their feels, and he has his, and we'll all figure it out together, right? It's fine. Um, but it, to me, it, it's just somehow bringing that confidence through in him. Um, and God bless him. The kid's absolutely amazing. So I'm sure it's fine. He'll find his way and be, be great. Um, but I think he has always had a lot of that confidence inside him. Mm-hmm. You know, he asked to do things. He just did, came back from the Kairos retreat. I'm at Watterson. That was incredible for him. I talked to him a couple late nights on the phone while he was there, and now he's choosing to go back as a leader at the next one, I think, in a few weeks. You know, we didn't ask him to do that. We didn't tell him to do that. So, Um, But I think it's got to be a choosing on his end, and it's got to be something that he feels confident about and and wants to do. So, Mm -hmm. As we prayed about universities and which ones to do, um, we keep praying because we're open to whatever the Lord wants. If it's, you know, state schools or private schools or homeschool, you know, if he were to call us, we'd be like, all right, Lord, whatever that be. And the Lord was showing us that we need to funnel, um, his choices somewhat guide it with a lot of education on why, why these would be the best options. And to remember that he's still growing, 
body, mind, and soul. So when assessing a university, we had to see if the university would offer options for body, mind, and soul, whether it's OSU and it's the Newman Center, or if it's Franciscan University and you standing room only for mass. Like, mm-hmm. And he, like Chris said, has chosen to apply to schools and to weed out the ones that don't have strong programs in those three. So, um, you know, I think the best that we try to do as, as parents is to help him have a relationship with the Lord and plead to our lady to make him desire the Lord. You know, we just ask her to give him a burning desire that he wants to seek our Lord. So, but it's scary. That's what I'm saying. I'm joking. We're like, rosaries are flying out of the house. We know. Yeah. You know what comes with college? You know, it's the first time they're on their own that they choose those things. And um, Allie Reese is a theology professor at Watterson. At one point, she went to Notre Dame and kept her faith so strong. And I said, what was your point? Like, how? Right? How did you stay stay so strong all through college? And she said, oh. My parents sat us down before college and said, you choose right now if you want to be Catholic or if you don't want to be Catholic and you live that in college. And so she said her and her sister, both her parents sat them down and said, right now you choose because it will be difficult when you don't have us with you. And I think that's beautiful advice again from um, our teachers and administrators that I'm grateful for that I will definitely have with our children and say, pick it like your father picked it, driving himself. Or if you're like me and you need a whole bunch of people around you <laughs> to encourage it's, it. It's, you go back to the community. And, and I think that's what it is. I mean, we are so blessed to be surrounded by so many good people in Columbus. Um, that We've been having this discussion with a lot of people that have kids or in, in college or out of college they're friends with and they're also open like we have multiple offers for the schools Anthony's looking at for him to go stay at night with friends of ours kids and stuff like that and it's um it helps right because they can actually get on campus and get a feel for what it's all about but it's um it's just a testament to the community we have here in Columbus you know what we're getting a lot of advice from people that have been through it before and it's extremely helpful and hopefully someday we can pass that on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well then Anthony will be able then to help with his younger siblings yes, yes through do you do you see a lot of support between the siblings on these sorts of uh he actually last month was like maybe i just should stay in columbus because i'm really gonna have a hard time leaving everybody Mm -hmm. and i was like no you're fine we're here come home i love that you love us if that's where god calls you fine but i think you know that longing will bring you home when you need to come home and you need to grow but they do i mean they're I mean, they have moments like any other siblings do. Let's not sit here like everything's perfect. Good examples right? and bad examples. <laughs> Good examples right? and bad examples, right? Yeah. Um, no, but they do. They they they've been great. Like it's been a lot of fun to see our oldest, you know, who's the senior high school Anthony, and then Gianna getting into high school this year, and just the the kind of relationship that that they've gotten now because they're in high school together and getting that that one year at Watterson. Um, and they're both very active in sports, and to be able to see them at each other's sporting events and picking up from practices and everything, it's been um. It's been really cool. And then the, I guess, the middle two now, um, they're really close. I mean, they're what, 18 17 months, months apart. apart yeah. And 
Yeah, so it's they're they, all really they beg us to hold her back so they can be twins <laughs> pretend <laughs> we're like no but that's kind of cute we like it but no and um, they're all great with the little guy you know yeah the two-year-old he gets a lot of love yeah i um i'm surprised to see the beauty of nfp with having a two-year-old and an almost he'll be 18 next week an 18 year old because when we had him, the one above him is eight, right? So we had a, a six-year gap there. And I wasn't anticipating how much the baby would change everybody older because teenagers start to get a little selfish and um, want what they want. And then when we had the baby and they saw Chris and I making these sacrifices for the sake of the baby, when you're not sleeping and you're caring for the baby and the baby's crying and you're like, just give me a moment so I can settle him. And they're like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. At one point, our 13 year old was asking for something for Christmas. And then she saw me taking care of him and came back and was like, you know what? I don't really need that. If you know, maybe Rocco needs something more. And I was like, well, honey, we could do both. It's okay. But <laughs> yeah, mm. it brings them out of themselves. He would bring a peace in the home. Um, at one point when one of our older kids was struggling with academics and they're just frustrated, I was like, I think you just need to hold a baby. <laughs> and they were like, what? And I was like, just try this. And I took the baby and I plopped him right on that teenager's chest and their shoulders decompressed. And they're like, oh, you're right. I just needed to hold a baby. <laughs> like, um, It's beautiful. It's beautiful to see that. I didn't anticipate that as a parent. Mm-hmm. So be open to what God, like, thank God he knows better than we do, right? And yes. just, we try to make our choices and and then he blesses where he sees what we need best. Mm -hmm. Yes. Beautiful. Chris and Emily Morrow, thanks for being with us this morning. Yeah, in the cafe sure. sharing your stories and, uh, <laughs> yeah, the excitement, the messiness, the, uh, the docility, uh, I guess that's required of all of us as we, uh, choose to follow the Lord. This is going to come out, friends, in, the, in some of the readings later in this week that uh, it, it's it's the worldview uh, that you choose uh, to select. Um, the allures of the world, uh, the lies that the world's going to tell you, or the truth that's found in Jesus Christ and his church. So be bold. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. God bless you all. We'll be back tomorrow morning. It's Tuesday with Dr. Marlin. Stay with us.